Judges, starting in chapter 9. So Abimelech is the, uh, the son of the concubine, not the uh, son of a wife, of, um, of Gideon. And he goes to his mother's people in Shechem and says, you know, is it better for all the 70 sons of Gideon to rule you or me? I'm your relative. Why don't you back me? And so they say, okay, he's our relative, we'll back him. They give him 70 silver pieces. He hires some outlaws. And he goes and kills all his half-brothers, except one young one escapes. That is, Jotham escapes. And uh, so this is not a nice guy. And then Jotham gives this weird parable about um, the trees deciding who's going to be their king. And none of the nice trees want to be king. And so uh, the trees say to a bramble, then you be our king. And he says, okay, I'll be, I'll be king. But if not, all the beautiful cedars of Lebanon be, be destroyed in fire. And then he, he, he turns this into a curse against the people. And he basically says, if you people have made Abimelech a king in a righteous manner, if you have treated Jerubbaal, which is Gideon, uh, and his house uh, as he deserved because he saved you from the Midianites, then fine, you're, you're all good making him king. But if you have not done what is righteous, then may fire come and consume you all. And then he ran away to escape. So Abimelech ruled three years, but then the God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the people of Shechem, and they became treacherous with him uh, because of the violence done to his brothers. So they sent people to become bandits and uh, attack people on the road, and then they told Abimelech about it. Then a man named Gaal comes around, and uh, the people decide that they should get rally behind him, and he starts smack-talking Abimelech, and and challenges him and tells him to bring out his army. He's also uh, smack-talking Zebel, who is uh, Abimelech's lieutenant. This angers Zebel, uh, ruler of a city, and so he sent messengers to Abimelech. This reads kind of weird because it, it, it sounds like he's, I mean, he is smack-talking Zebel, and it sounds like Zebel's angry about it, but then Zebel ends up being on his side uh, on this new guy's side, Ebed, or Gaal, son of Ebed, and, um, and so then, uh, he, he tells Abimelech to go lay in wait, uh, for the people. No, okay, sorry, I was, I was right the first time, uh, so Zebel is, because, uh, Gaal is, starts to see the people in ambush coming, and Zebel's trying to convince him, no, that's just shadows, and then he finally, uh, it finally becomes clear this is an army coming, and and uh, so Zebul starts smack talking back to Gaal. And between Abimelech and Zebul, they end up driving Gaal out of the area. Well, I get again, uh, this is confusing. I might need to read it in a different version. It's not so literal because uh, this reads confusing to me. So I, I guess Zebul was also against him because Abimelech's mad and then he turns against the city and looks to destroy the city. Of He starts attacking the people there and he burns up all the people in a tower. Uh, so kills a thousand people uh, in this in a tower. 
And then he goes up against uh, Thebes and captured it. And there's a strong tower in that city. And the people were shut in there. And so Abimelech uh, came to the tower to fight against it. And he was going to burn it with fire. But a woman threw an upper millstone on Abimelech's head, crushing his skull. Then he asked one of his uh, guys next to him to, to stab him so that it can't be said of him that a woman killed him. This comes up a couple times in scripture. <laughs> I'm not sure why this is important exactly. But uh, so the young man, uh, uh, you know, puts a sword in him and kills him. And so the chapter basically ends with saying God repaid all the, you know, the, the sins of Shechem and the sins of uh, Abimelech. Basically, they all die in the end. And uh, the curse of Jotham, the son of Jerubal, which is Gideon, came upon them. So that was a bit of a crazy chapter, and I, I'm not sure that I get much out of it, other than you see just the evilness of the people at the time. Like the people have stopped following the Lord and are going, living in after their own ways. And then we'll go to chapter 10. Then there's kind of a uh, a judge. Maybe he was a good judge, because we, we don't know much about him. Uh, but a man named Tola uh, came up, a man of Issachar. He lived in Shamer and Ephraim, and he judged Israel 23 years, and then he died. And then similarly, a man named Jer uh, arose and judged 22 years. He had 30 sons and 30 donkeys, and uh, they had 30 cities in the land of Gilead, and then he died. So apparently there's a good long stretch here where the people were were, were not too bad. Uh, they were, you know, I guess I'm, I'm assuming those were pretty good judges because... We just don't hear much of it. But then it says the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord, served the Baals and the Ashereth. Remember, these are the two main Canaanite gods of the area. Oh, the gods of Aram, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of Ammon, the gods of Philistines. So they're serving all these gods. And so God is angry and God gives them into the hands of the Philistines and the Ammonites. And so for 18 years, they, they've absolutely conquered uh those in Gilead, which is the people east, people of Israel east of the Jordan, and then they're also attacking and harrying uh, the people west of the Jordan. Then the people realize they're they're serving the Baals, and they cry out to God, we've sinned against you. And the Lord says to them, did I not deliver you from the Egyptians, the Amorites, the Am- Ammonites, and the Philistines? Also the Sidonians, Amalekites, and the Maonites oppressed you, and you cried out, and I delivered you. But you, you, instead of serving me, you continue to serve these other gods that I've already defeated. So go and cry to them if you're in trouble. And the people come to their senses and say, no, we have sinned. Do whatever's good to you. Just please deliver us, Lord. So I, I assume they're talking to a prophet here. I don't think everyone's in unison hearing the voice of the God. So I'm assuming there's a prophet going around that they're speaking to. And it says God can bear their misery no longer. And so that he decides to save them again. And so the sons of uh, Ammon are camped in Gilead, and sons of Israel gather together, and they're, they want to fight, and they say, who's going who's gonna to be ahead of us? Who's going to uh, lead this battle for us? And that's the end of 10, and then Judges 11 backs up a little bit and says there's a man named Jephthah, and he is the uh, man, the son of a harlot, and he, his father um, uh, was Gilead, which is a little confusing, but it's father's Gilead. And but in his son, there's his sons from his wife uh, had driven out uh, Jephthah and said, "You're not, you know, you're not of our family. You're not a true son." And so Jephthah fled, and he was living in Tob, 
and he's living a lot around a lot of unsavory characters. But apparently he's got a reputation as a, a good warrior or a strong man or something because the people come to them and they say, hey, be our chief and fight against the Ammonites for us. And he says to the elders of Gilead, didn't you hate me and drive me out? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? And he says to the people, yeah, if you're going to make me head over you, then, then I'll go fight for you. And they say, we will. And so he says to the Ammonites, he sends a message, why, why, what do you, why do we have a problem? Why are you coming against me? Why are you in my land? And the, the Ammonites say, this is our land. You took it. And he gives a very detailed description of how Moses led the people through, the, uh, through Edom and Moab and then uh, to defeat the Amorites. And so basically he details, well, we took this land from the Amorites because they were not nice to us. We just asked to pass through the land and they attacked us instead. And so it's our land. It's been our land for 300 years. If you think it's your land, why haven't you taken it in that time? Let, uh, let uh, God judge between us. And, um, and then the Ammonites ignored him. Then Jephthah makes a really stupid vow. Uh, just really ridiculous. I, I can't imagine why anyone would think this is a good idea. I realize that was a different time. But it's just hard to understand how this would seem like a good idea. But he does. He has the Spirit of the Lord with him. But he says something that's obviously quite against the Spirit of the Lord while under the Spirit of the Lord. And he makes a vow that he says, If you will give the sons of Ammon into my hand, that whoever comes out of my door first, out of my house, when I return, then uh, it should be the Lord's, and I will offer up in a burnt offering. And then he goes and defeats a great victory, 20 cities, all the, all the, you know, he takes back all the land that, that the Ammonites had taken from Israel. So he goes back to his home, his daughter's excited, she comes out dancing with tambourines, and she was his one and only child. He had no son, no other daughter, just her. And when he sees her, he tears his clothes and says, Alas, now you brought me very low because I made this vow and I can't take it back, and so I'm going to have to sacrifice you. And she says, oh, You've made a vow to the Lord, you have to do what you have to do, uh, but just give me two months uh, to, to go and weep uh, with my friends before you complete this. She's very sad because she never was able to have a family or, you know, she's, she's still a young girl in his house and has to die now. And, um, and so, you know, the, apparently they killed her after two months. It doesn't actually say that. But then the, the, um, it does say that the daughters of Jephthah went uh, for four days in the year to commemorate her after this time. So again, bizarre vow. Um, not sure why I thought that was a good idea. Just, just people lacking the wisdom of God, walking in their own ways, even when they were serving the greater purposes of God by, by freeing their people from the hand of their enemies. And that's the end of chapter 11. Then the men of Ephraim are upset because he went to war without them and they threaten him that they're going to burn his house down with him in it. And he says, what are you talking about? I called for help. You didn't help me. So I, I did this on my own. And so the, the Gileadites end up kind of uh, guarding the, the crossing of the river and they, they've developed a, a bit of a different accent. And so if someone of Ephraim would cross over, they'd say, say this certain word, Shibboleth. And if 
when the Ephraimites said it, it would sound more, more like Sibboleth, and they would kill them if they were an Ephraimite. Um, I guess if they were said they were an Ephraimite, or if they uh, lied about it because they couldn't say the word the way the Gileadites said it. So, again, they're just all kinds of evil in the land. Jephthah uh, judges for six years, and then he dies. Now, there was a man named Ibzan of uh, Bethlehem that uh, judged. He had 30 sons and 30 daughters, and he judged for seven years and then was buried. Elon of Zebulon judged for 10 years, and then he died. And then Abdon, it says he's a Parathonite. I don't know what tribe that is. I had 40 sons and 30 grandsons, so apparently having lots of wives was a big thing back then. They had 70 donk. they each had a donkey basically, I don't know why it's always bringing up that they ride it on a donkey, but uh, he judged Israel for eight years. Okay, he was buried at Pirathon in Ephraim, so apparently he's an Ephraimite. This is in the hill country of the Amalekites. Okay, and that ends chapter 12, that's where we're going to stop today. God bless this, I, I don't have a whole lot of uh, spiritual, you know, this is mostly just stories at this point, and, and certainly we can learn anything from anything, but at the moment, I'm not getting a whole lot out of it, other than the people of God, as I said before, are not actually following God, they're not representing God, they're not at all being what God called them to be. Um, yet, he continues to have mercy, and and he he does judge them often, but he also has mercy and uh, and saves them um, when they when they cry out to him. And we'll pick it up uh, next time in thirteen. God bless you.